are pushing through the book of Acts, and uh, my name is Josh, and this is my friend named Zoe. Zoe. <laughs> and uh, tonight we want to remind you of where we've come from over the last week. And so this is Acts chapter 2, verses 44 and 45. This was what happened last week. If you missed it, all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And then uh, the things that you may not have known up till this point in the book of Acts is a period of 50 days and then the, uh, the season immediately after. And so as we turn from Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 3, we're going we're gonna to start to encompass an entire year together. Uh, and so that is, ironically, a little bit of where we are in our school year. We've been together now five weeks, six weeks, if you count uh, the welcome week. And so we're getting ready to turn the page and get with some speed here. And so Zoe's up with me tonight to uh, talk a little bit about service. Because whenever we read this verse, there's almost an implicit call to action. And so uh, Zoe is one of the leaders for CSF here uh, with our service team. And so Zoe, what happens whenever you serve personally? Um, yeah. Okay. So my name's Zoe, obviously. But um, I have a big passion for serving in Haiti. And that's just where I'm at. Um, but I also have a passion for serving anywhere else. So um, I love to get people on board, and I love to tell people about serving. Um, and Josh asked me why I serve, but I need to tell you what happens when we serve before I tell you why we serve, because that's so much more of the reason behind it, um, and it's not just to be kind or to be nice. Um, but what happens when we serve? Um, so when we go out and serve, we're healed. Um, it's just... Like, wherever you go, it's not that you're going there to heal them, but it's healing you, and it's filling you up. Um, so. so take that to my Acts 2 idea. Whenever the people uh, would gather together, they didn't have it all together. Yeah. Um, I was talking about this in... <laughs> oh, I'm right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. But <laughs> in CJ's small group, um, we were talking about just when everyone made the decision to be baptized earlier in Acts, um, they all gathered at the church and they spent all their time there. Um, but none of them knew how it worked. None of them had been Christians before. Um, they weren't educated on the Bible. They didn't know anything. And I think coming here and especially like coming to CSF or just like a big university, we try to figure it all out before we go to a small group or we try to read the Bible and get all this knowledge, or we try to figure out everyone's names and the timeline of everything, or at least that's what I do, um, or I did, because um, it's vulnerable to go to these small groups, and um, people here are super educated. There's some awesome, awesome brains and hearts that are sitting in this room that know so much stuff, and that's amazing, and I look up to that, um, but that's not me yet, because I was never filled with that passion or that desire, so... Um, we just get it backwards, like trying to figure all this stuff out before we go to these small groups. Like we need to be meeting together and growing together like the church did back then. Um, we need to come with our questions and um, no knowledge at all and then be filled up and find out all of that stuff. And so when we serve, we can do that and we can grow together. And it's not like I'm serving in Haiti and that's the only way I'm getting it because these people are poor and it just seems like a good place to serve. But like serving here in Bloomington or serving your neighbor when they've had a bad day and you call them, like that's serving them and that's healing you. Or going like to the Boys and Girls Club is a big thing that we're trying to push here because there's so many things to do there. Um, and when you go there, 
it's the same as serving in Haiti. And I don't see me serving in Haiti any different than me serving at the Boys and Girls Club here. Like, they're all people, and that's just who I pour into, and that's how I fill myself up and how I grow, like, in my knowledge and in my faith. It's mm, good. So we were at the poorhouse together, Zoe and I, and she started to unload all these like little truth bombs. And she said, when I go to Haiti, it's no different than when I go to the Boys and Girls Club. And I was like, yes, it is. Liar. <laughs> and so she made a connection very quickly, though. She pivoted to, no, it's, this is the idea of, as I'm learning about Jesus, he sees all people uh, the same way. So think on that one out loud a little bit for us. Um. Okay. You wrote about it. I know. <laughs> I have so many thoughts in my brain. That's why I had to meet with him because I was like, I have too much to talk about. I just need to like uh, talk it out loud to you before I can talk to this whole group of people. But um, yeah, so Take when, us to we Jesus. Serve, when, when we serve, we can't expect a response. And I think that's kind of like what like people think of when we go to Haiti. Like I go there and I serve these people to expect a response or just something like that. But to, like, see the impact anywhere or at the Boys and Girls Club, like, we're doing this and we're serving and we're loving freely and, like, no strings attached and not to be, like, looked at like, oh, I traveled all the way to Haiti and I served these people and I'm a good person for that. Hmm. But we're going because we're being like Jesus and we're traveling and meeting all those people. So whether you're here, serving here, like your neighbor, or whether you're serving, like, all the way across the world, like, it's all the same. Um, yeah, so that's a, that's a tie together for CSF. We have a core value of be a blessing as a ministry. And we, we strive to live out this idea of we look at the world around us through the eyes of Jesus. And so be a blessing is one of the core tenets of who we are as people. And so serve and bless kind of go hand in hand for us. Yeah, so as we realize how blessed we are, then we need to go out and do the same. And mm -hmm. we need to bless everyone else um, just by seeing like what Jesus has done for us, like we've been blessed in that. So we need to bless people who need it and not people who are like less fortunate because people go out and they serve the less fortunate and treat them like they're different than us, but they're not different. And they're not anything less than us because they're poor, because they don't have anything or they don't have these families. Um, but we need to serve them because we love them and because that's what Jesus has called us to do. Um, yeah, so when we realize that, then that's why you serve. So once you realize why you're serving or what, like what happens when you're serving, that's when you can go out and do it for yourself. Um, that's perfect. Yeah. So give us some options how to connect. So start here. I think we got a couple. Uh, you talked about Boys and Girls Club. Yeah, so the Boys and Girls Club is um, me and Brianna Abram. We've kind of talked about it, and we don't want to discount where anybody serves here. Um, so there's going to be opportunity to tell us where you serve later. But we've chosen the Boys and Girls Club as, like, our mission for this year because there's so many things that we can do there. Like, there's not just one thing that we're going and, like, serving meals to this group of people. But we're going and you can play basketball or you can do homework and you can just spend time with these kids. Um, and that's really cool because we're college students. And I know when I was younger, I looked up to college students. Um, and it seems crazy that we would make that kind of impact. But it's so good to, like, go and spend time. And the Boys and Girls Club is, like, calling on us for help. Like, they're reaching out to us. Um, so we need to not shy away from that. And we need to, like, step up and answer that. So you can obviously go and serve weekly if you want to, if you feel called to that. But here are just some options at different locations of the Boys and Girls Club of events that are coming up. And I would really love to, like, get a big group of people going. And we need to serve together, like I was talking about earlier. And it's super hard to like go and serve by yourself. So when we come together, 
we're going to grow, and we're going to grow closer in that, but we're also going to grow a lot in our faith by serving together. So the beginning here is not only are there Boys and Girls Club who CSF has picked to, to try and collectively uh, bless, uh, there's also three locations of the Boys and Girls Club. So there's the Lincoln Street, which is just off of downtown, uh, right by the police station, fire station. There's another one over in Crestmont, which is directionally that way, uh, by Mills Park Pool. Uh, what are you giggling about? That's right. Directionally that way. Uh, so walk through the wall, and then you'll find it after a few blocks. Uh, and then there's even Ellettsville. And so shout out to all you townie-ish people uh, who know Ellettsville. That's not a joke. That's a real shout out to you. Okay, so here's the thing. We also don't take it for granted. We don't take it for granted that probably predominantly the majority of you are already serving. So would you tell us if and where you are serving? And then there's one other element to this. Uh, If you text serve to the number, it pops up and says name, email, and then where are you serving? And then could we connect people to you? So there's only four things to write in, your name, your email, where you serve currently, and if you're willing to be a connection point for someone else who might be looking to serve. So would you guys do that if you're serving right now? And uh, and I'll let Zoe pray for us uh, in just a sec to start our our evening together. So if you're serving, do it. If not, shame. (laughs) Shame. Shame. That's a reference for Jack Dernal and Jack Dernal only. She's a preacher. <laughs> I know you didn't hear it because you were talking during my sermon. Shame. <laughs> Shame. <laughs> All right, so if you're texting that in, thank you. If not, that's okay. We have grace for that too. So Zoe's going to pray for us, and um, then we'll dive straight to text. Um, yeah, so I'm excited for you guys too. Um, serve with me, so I just want to serve as a community, and I want CSF to be out there. So if you have any questions, obviously ask me, but um, serving is not just, like, something that you do. It's kind of just, like, it's just how you live your life. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, I, I serve. It's, like, you serve. Like, that's what you've been called to do, um, and that's just the way that you go through the world, and I want to do that with all of you guys. So, yeah, connect with me, and I'll pray, and we'll be good. All right. <laughs> Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, I just come to you in prayer, and I just thank you for this ministry, and I thank you for the opportunity to be a part of this and just to grow with all these people. Um, I thank you that you've put serving on my heart in such a big way in just the last couple years, and I ask that you use it to influence more and more people um, as I go through campus, and I ask that you just use this as a tree to reach out and um, impact so many other people by serving, and when we serve, then they'll serve too, and just realize... um, how big of a blessing it is to us that Jesus came here, but also that we can be a blessing. Um, So I ask that you just put that in our hearts in a big way and um, bring us together and to grow as a community. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Give it up. Love it. Um, I heard that Brogan threw some shots out um, at me. Uh, in the last sermon, and that's okay. I wasn't here to defend myself, but he's here tonight, and so I'm going to throw a shot right back. Uh, he threw, we, we did a hangover together, and you can see down in the bottom left corner that how many plays there have been so far. Uh, and so there are shots fired. So if you want to you wanna help Brogan out, 
I took that screenshot uh, as soon as I loaded it onto the screen. If you're looking, if you're looking at, uh, for CSF, uh, these sermons, we try to put them online, and also then we do a hangover, which is all the bits and pieces that we cut out and left on the floor. Um, what we try to do is just uh, get some, gather some space and yap a little bit. Uh, nothing's off the table. So specifically, uh, look for CS Family, all one word, and it's all over the map. Um, and you can join our ecclesia. And what I mean by that is ecclesia is this word that stands for the congregation. And as you can see, we have worldwide reach. We have uh, 97% of our listeners are here in the United States, but there's a couple UK fans. <laughs> And not the bad kind. Uh, and then a couple of Swedes that are out there. Uh, the, reason, the reason that we are throwing in with Brogan is, is number one, like did a great job. Uh, but one of the things that we talked about in the hangover, he and I, was kind of our, our, um, our history with church, kind of the little C church. And what I mean by that is, uh, the believers gathered together and they rocked to the temple every day. And so one of the things that Brogan and I talked through in the hangover was the idea that it, like in our mindset, the idea of going to church every day, that might be a little distasteful. Um, and so what you guys need to know is like, this is a context to launch us in for the evening. The, the believers called themselves the ecclesia and they see no division between uh, their faith in Jesus because they've seen him. Like they watched him die and now they've seen him for a period of 40 days together. Uh, and now he's gone and that whole tongue of fire thing, wacky, we know. And, and what has happened since then is they continue to go to the temple daily. They continue to go to church. Now, temple was this Jewish tradition that they had, and yet there, now there's this resurrected Jesus who is reforming and deepening and transforming their understanding of church. So would you take a minute and talk amongst yourself? What I'd love to hear back of, what's your version of the Little C Church been like? What's the music, the message, the art, the building? What are the rules that are implied or demanded of you? You understand what I'm saying there? What are the implied rules? Uh, what's the relevant content? Or was Charlie Brown's mom typically there? Was there bacon or are you Jewish? Um, and what were the people like? Were they old? Were they awesome? Did they have great haircuts? Okay, why don't you talk about it for about a minute and a half? I'll call you back with this noise, toot toot, and I'll go like that. Okay, so let's do this. Let's do this. Um, if you have, um, if you looking back, say I have uh, a kind of a, an association with church that's over a couple years, that's over longer than a couple years is my association with church. Just a quick hand. Good. Hands down. If he, I have a brand new association with church, a couple hands. Okay, not, not too many, a few of us. I appreciate that. The reason I said that is because uh, Zoe is absolutely coming alive in her faith, and it's been a lot of fun to disciple her and to walk alongside her as, as the Bible and as church, as a community comes alive in her. So real quickly, uh, music message art. Anybody got a ridiculous story about the music, the message, or the art that has been showing up in their life? So that's, it's okay. It's a safe place, yeah? That is rad. Just a little polka with Jesus. I'm, I'm down with that. I love it. All right, very good. Uh, so the music message art, my dad was a pastor. Uh, and so um, 
if you've been to my house, just picture the kitchen up on the top shelf in the kitchen. There's this little sign that says Girls Club, and it's these black like ribs that you take white letters and you can spell out things. Well, my dad's name is Doug Reynolds, and so every Sunday, I kid you not, from the time that I knew how to spell, I would rearrange it to say Bug Reynolds every, every single week. And every week I went back and it always said Doug, and so I always changed it back for him. Don't fly towards the light. Okay. Implied or demanded rules. Uh, this is the one where it kind of gets dicey. If you would ever want to talk about uh, the way that the Little Sea Church uh, maybe hurt or harmed you, just want you to know our staff here, you're, you're safe. Um, you're safe to say that. And we'll do it. We'll talk about that with health and respect. But we just want to acknowledge that the church can absolutely hurt you. Um, and so just as I start off tonight and we look at the church in scripture, we're going to watch it begin to do things. And I just want to acknowledge the implied rules or the overt demanded rules that may have been put on top of you in your experience. Uh, we always want to test that against scripture. And there are times that, that, that people who intend to do it well can, can harm others. And so if just want you to know there's a safe place between the staff here and you if you ever need that. And so grab us, we'll set up coffee, and uh, we'll bring the Kleenex, all right? But it's worth going through so that way you have a, a, a bit of a restored understanding of your church experience and then who you are as a member of the Big C Church moving forward. Yeah, cool? All right, relevant content. Let's uh, skip this one because I don't want to hear the feedback. Uh, just tell me really quickly about the people, Anybody got uh, a good story, a good uh, experience with the people within your particular church context? Any brave soul? There's this one dude named John Hicks. Oh, boy. Church, Called him out. Always plays euchre. He's taught everyone freaking ever to play euchre. Devil's game. One of the biggest servants I've ever known. Awesome. Like, he offered to drive up or down here to fix my car. I'm like, you know, he's like me. He stays up till like 3 in the morning. Has a family, does whatever, goes to his job, but just like is up all the time, fixing people's cars, getting them rides, praying for them, doing anything. Biggest servant-hearted guy I know. Love that. Shout out John Hicks. Super good. Can anybody verify that? Okay. One of us? All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. All right, here we go. Read with me a little bit then. One day Pete and John are going up to the temple at the time of prayer. One day Pete and John are going up to the temple at the time of prayer. It's 3 p.m., now a man who's lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. He was put there every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. So if I only gave you these three verses, uh, and then I asked you to take a look at it one more time, I'm going to ask you to turn and talk again. What are some of the assumptions that are embedded within this story? One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer about 3 p.m. There's a man lame from birth being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he's put every day to beg from those going inside the temple courts. <gasps> when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Turn and talk real fast. What are some of the assumptions embedded in this story? Ready, go. So we, uh, we threw a couple starters up here. Anyone we want to touch on or skip over? Yeah. Jack A. I love it. It's the beggar's go-to spot. That's good. Uh, idea on that one is Leviticus 21, 
where almsgiving is a part of the expectation of a devout Jew. So if that's my go-to spot, and Leviticus 21 says, I must, I should, if I'm devout, I will, then all of a sudden, the boy's on a racket. It's good. Cha-ching was the noise sound effect there. Good. Someone else? Here's your, here's your starters. Yeah, I love that. Siri just heard something, and now she's trying to look me up. That's fantastic. If he goes there every day, the people who go to temple every day, which was the majority of folks there who are devout, they recognize him. That's A. And then B, how do they feel about him? Anybody talk that one out? Anybody talk about how they feel about the guy that they see every day at the temple gate called beautiful Everett? That's fantastic. Yeah. He said there's, there's a common thought that someone who's been lame or ill from birth has a family uh, sin that's in their past. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born in such a way? Fantastic. So absolutely, there's, there's probably from some of the pastors by judgment. Yeah. Sound booth? I saw his hand up. I saw his hand up. Fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, so if there was this hereditary sin, then he is obviously not allowed into at least uh, the, the, um, the fantastic places. Maybe he can get into the Gentile courts, but not progress past that. Yeah, super good. Anybody else? Yeah? Sure. Shout it out. You're safe here. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Uh, there was a season in my life where our family went to the open door, which is on the bus kirk, uh, or is in the bus kirk on Kirkwood. And uh, I really love that service, especially for my kids, um, because my kids had to think about who was in service with us, because they didn't look like the people who sat down front with us. The people who sat in back with us, they looked really different, and the people who sat outside and never came in. Yeah, it was always one that we had to think through together. Really sweet to walk home, holding your little girl's hand, talking about that. That's so good, so good. Anybody else? Come on, I had that giant blue honking word. Maybe not, maybe you got it. I'll touch on the carriers because I feel like... Ooh, touching on the carrier. Yeah, so my mind immediately goes to like either two things. So either the carriers are homeboys, but they're also just going to prayer. So they drop them at the gates and they're like, you can't come in. Sure. And in that case, you know, you think like clearly someone knows someone is related to those people. Or it's homeboys that are like the ones that cut, cut through the roof and they're like, hey, we're going to hook you up with the best spot. We're going to drop them here. Even Love if it. they're not believers and they're going to drop them at the spot that's Love it. the best benefit. So that's my mindset on the carriers. The only other thing I can think of, and maybe you have context on this, and I'd be interested, is like, is he paying people to carry him around? Because that's like, that would suck. Like, if you're disabled and you got to cast people to like carry you around, that would be terrible. Like, all of his money is going to these people to, to carry him around. That's super good. That's a great question. Does he have some agreement set up where he's he, part of what the almsgiving is goes back a cut to his carriers? Or are they doing it because they love him? Fair enough. Yeah, I hear it, right? And so this is one of those things where, okay, so I don't know if this is how your small group goes and if this is how you read scripture for yourself, but welcome to my world, right? When I hold the text of scripture, every single one of these scenarios just flash in my brain 
which is why I'm a really slow Bible reader, which is why I was just practicing reading it really fast for you all the last time. The point of the story here is, guys, you can do this. I mean, you've got an incredible story of three verses here, and there's so many people involved of it. Nobody asked how tall the gate was. Why was it called beautiful? Is it really covered in Corinthian brass? Seriously, 75 feet tall? Like, I would be wondering those things as you now are with me. Here's what it happened. Peter looked straight at the man, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And Peter said, jokes, silver or gold, I do not have. Well, he didn't say jokes, but that was the implied part. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. And so the question is, what did the guy actually get? He got something about the name of Jesus. Now, there's this really cool idea that happens all throughout the story of Scripture about the power of a particular name. And whenever you hear this, it's the idea of the character of the person who's being referenced, and it's implying a deeper well. And so in the name, the character of Jesus Christ, it implies a deeper well. And here's the idea. This is shocking to the guy who hears this. He hears silver, like the joke isn't the shocking part. What is shocking is Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's his title. And so Peter looks at this lame guy who's been sitting there, we're going to hear next week, for 40 years. So from birth, absolutely. He's been there his whole life. And he's going to hear in the name of Jesus, right? He knows this name means the character and plus a deeper well of Jesus who? Christ. And Christ is a title, and this guy knows that Jesus was the one that was crucified a couple weeks ago. He knows this person of Jesus, and he gets the name of Jesus. Now, I listened to a particular, um, a particular podcast for myself. You can't say it on this particular podcast, but his podcast is called The Naked Bible and so if you want to look for it yourself, it's a guy named Michael Heiser. And Michael Heiser, this is why you should be interested in it, because he is regularly featured on Coast to Coast AM radio with George Norrie, and those are UFOs. And there's a reason that you should now listen to my friend, Michael Heiser. We're going to try to get him in here to preach for us. Anyway, he says something incredibly important. He says, in the name of Jesus, then Peter does this, taking the man by the right hand, he helps him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles become strong. He jumps to his feet, he begins to walk and not only this, maybe for the first time ever, I love Everett's idea, he goes with them into the temple courts, walking, jumping and praising God. The man who is now, who was lame from birth now isn't. So your last chance to talk, and then we'll get to the end of this sermon very quickly. Describe the inner monologue of the man, the disciples, and the worshipers. Ready to take a few seconds? What's the inner monologue when they see the man who was lame, now not, from his perspective, the disciples? Like Pete's like, what? That worked? I don't know if he said that. All right, so that's, that's your cue. Ready, go. I'll talk to you in just a sec.
You gotta say it, right? That worked? Let's go quickly. Let's go quickly. Let's go quickly. Thank you. Okay, just, just very quickly, very quickly. Uh, interlogue of the man who was lame and isn't. We have, a, we have a, like a clarity statement of his. Love it. Right. That's called compound interest. Very good. Okay. The disciples. And you can't steal my what. That worked line. That was pure gold. All right. Disciples. Peter, John, and then the other people that went every day. Wait, they went every day. Wait, they passed this dude every day. What's their inner monologue? Nobody took on that one? All right, wait, wait. Uh, wait, same three people. Somebody new? All right, question on the question. That's a good question. Is this, this is Pete's first recorded uh, miraculous touch. However, he's the same dude that was like dun, 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 on water. And he's also the guy, he's also the guy that was like, yo, my boat's sinking, too many fish. Twice. Twice. All right, yeah. Like, wait, that actually works. <laughs> oh, boo. She took my line. All right, anybody else? Yeah. Love that. Amazing at, at the volume of confidence that Peter had in the name of Jesus, right? That God would do this thing. And it's the idea that it's Jesus plus Christ. It's the title. It's the power. That's the deeper well that Jesus carried because of the life, death, resurrection, because then of showing himself over 40 days, and then because of the, his spirit coming. Love that one. All right, big ending. Anybody want it? Temple worshipers? Deep corner. Yeah, I like that tie together. Yeah, good. Right. I, oh. <laughs> Bill and I are referencing a movie immediately in our head. That's very good. Okay, we will not ruin that for anybody. Yes, Thompson. Right. So then you take it and you extrapolate it into the dude now jumping. That's incredible. Beginning. Hmm. A complete disruption. Dude, I love that. Okay, all right. She just transitioned for me. Check out. Well, the people see him walking, praising God. Disruption, as, as I would say. They recognize him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. They're filled with wonder and amazement. And here's the thing. I think what had happened in their minds is there was this moment. There was this moment where the devout folks in the room went backwards in time. They went backwards in time to the book of Isaiah because in Isaiah 35, there's this incredible point and it's called the Messianic uh, prophecy. And it talks about when this idea of the Christ will come, what will start to happen? When this 
Christ comes, something's going to start to happen. Here it is. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, don't fear. Your God will come. He'll come with vengeance and with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be open, the ears of the deaf, un deaf unstopped, and the lame will leap like a deer, and the mute will begin to shout for joy. See, here's this idea that whenever Peter looks at the, the, the man who's been lame from death and says, in the name of Jesus Christ, he is calling the entire community back to Isaiah 35, to these lines. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, this, this character, this person who will take on this title, this is the start, sort of thing you will start to see and all of a sudden, everything changes. Here we go, Acts 11 and 12. The man holds on to Peter and John. All the people are astonished. They came running to the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter sees us, he says, why does this surprise you? <laughs> Why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power, our own goodness, we have made this man talk? A few more ideas. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What Peter does is he goes back into the Old Testament and he says this. The God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. And then he says this scandalous little word. Three letters. And he says it four times. You handed him over to be killed. And you disowned him before Pilate, though Pilate had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released. You killed the author of life. I mean, that is a bony finger pointing, right, at all the people who have come running because this dude is jumping and disrupting. You killed the author of life, but God has raised him from the dead. And this is the most powerful thing that Peter can say, right? I've seen it. I've seen it. Uh, one teaching thought, one video, and we roll out of here. The teaching thought is this. What is new in Jesus is never discontinuous with, with what has started in the Old Testament. Like when Jesus is alive, when his spirit is around, it completes what was begun in the Old Testament. In fact, it takes it deeper, and I have a proof of that. Hi, welcome to another edition of Between Two Ferns. My guest today is Paul Rudd. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. What advice would you give to a young actor who wants to hide his Jewishness as well as you have? But I've never really tried to hide my Jewishness. I've really never tried to hide my Jewishness. Yeah. Jesus was Jewish, and he didn't hide it. No, he, he put it out there for everybody to see. He's one of our best. You, are you practicing? No, I'm not a practicing Jew. I perfected it. <laughs> Ridiculous, and I'm sorry about that, but it was too good to pass up. The idea that was prevailing to this time is that you could keep things perfectly and therefore attain the righteousness. However, whenever Jesus came, what was new in Jesus, the author of life, was, was perfected in the, and completed in the Old Testament by faith in the name of Jesus. The man whom you see and know was made strong. So pause right there. 
the thing that I told you just before Peter's most powerful statement was, we are witnesses, right? And now what Peter is calling all the temple worshipers to is that they are now worshipers. And here's the thing, y'all. They had to make a decision. And so here's what happened. It is Jesus's name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him. So here's my, uh, sorry, right here, my big ending. And I'll stop on this one. What Peter did, if you noticed it, was when he said the name of Jesus a second time, he changed up his, his phrasing. What he didn't do was attach Christ, the title. What he was doing was calling the new witnesses to move into the world to the completion of Isaiah 35. Because I stopped Isaiah 35, verse 6, just like a great little preacher. The lame will leap like a deer, the mute tongue will shout for joy, and water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. This is the idea that it moves from a singular person to now water rushing where the entire community would go for replenishment. And that is the call of not the Messiah, but the time of the Messiah. It's called the Messianic Age. You can... Wrong button. Sorry about that. Nope, wrong button. Here it is. The name of Jesus. Yes, about the people and the character of this particular age. So no more was this solely about Jesus and the things that he had done, but now it was the call, and Peter looks at the people around and said this, you are all witnesses. It's your call, guys, how you move through the world as you hear this story of Jesus, as you come and gather in community with us, as we sing, as we teach, as we serve, here's the thing. Are you interacting with the person of Jesus? That's question number one. Are you becoming a witness to the kingdom age that he brings about? And it is here. And now are you the type of person that carries it with you everywhere? It's why I was so excited to sit with Zoe and to bring her up here. The idea that service is not this thing I do, but it's who I am as I move through the world. That is the response of people who are witnesses to Jesus, his hope, and his story, and they move through the world. It's good stuff. All right? Let's sing, and we'll, uh, we'll close out this shebang. Heavenly Father, that's the, um, that's the call. Uh, that we as people uh, learn your story, that we learn, we learn your son, um, the person of Jesus, and that it transforms and affects everything about who we are. It changes how we move through the world. It changes how we see our community and our neighbors. Um, yeah, God, in a place of stillness, um, we ask that you, uh, with a quiet voice, maybe with clarity um, or just a sense that you draw us a little bit closer. Um, yeah, that you transform us a little bit more deeply. And God, that we leave this place with this calling to be people who have water. We have moments of refreshment for those around us. Um, yeah, help us to love people well. Amen. Please stand with us. So this next song is a new one, and it's called Prince of Peace, and it was written by Hill.